0: Before we begin today's episode of Potterless, I first wanted to thank everyone that's left us a rating and review on iTunes because we've hit 75 total reviews, which is awesome. These reviews... First off, are so sweet. You guys say the nicest things, but second, they really do help more people find the podcast, which is great because it increases our likelihood of coming up in searches, both on the podcasting app and just on Google and stuff like that. So if you want to take the time just to go into the Apple Podcasts app, whether it's on your phone or on iTunes on your computer, even if you don't use them, you can just go into the app, search Potterless, leave it a review. You don't even have to type anything, you can just click the little five-star thing. It really- really does help a lot and helps more people find us. So thank you to everyone that has written one so far. And thank you in the future to everyone who decides to write one. In announcement news, we're making progress on shirts. So if you are a patron in the shirt tier or higher, head on over to patreon.com.parlos and please vote in the poll on whether or not you'd like the shirt to be a V-neck or a crew neck. Just trying to get a sense of what people want before I order them. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Patreon is basically a website where you can pledge money to the podcast. And I put all of that money back into the podcast. There is no need to do so, only if you feel like doing it, no pressure at all. But uh, there's some cool rewards that you can get, and shirts is one of the tiers, so it's not too late to get in on the shirt train, and uh, hopefully you guys find some stuff over there that you like. If not, not a problem at all. But speaking of Patreon, we've got a lot of new patrons to thank. So first off, shout out to our newest patrons, Ashley McCrory, Neon Green Tiger, Rita Fagan, Johnny Frolickstein, 1159 to Midnight, previous guest Charlotte Dow, and guest on this episode, Eric Schneider. Also, shout out to Harlan Haskins, Sean Jones, and Low Downtown, who all upgraded their pledges into the shirt category. And huge shout out to Jesse Horgan and Maggie Zobasek, new producer level patrons. And the return of Vicky Garcia, who was a producer patron before, had to take a little break, but is back. So thank you to all of you guys. That is huge. You are such lovely, incredible people. And I'm very excited to use these pledges to help Potterless take the next step in quality. And of course, shout out to our existing producer level patrons, Andreas, Griffin, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Michael, Sadie, Emily, and Chandra, whose avocados are are always green when they open them. Guys, we have so many producers, I've had to resort to only using first names in the intro, otherwise it would take too long. But without further ado, let's get into this episode of Potterless, episode 24, which starts our journey on everyone's least favorite book, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, starring Eric Hamilton Schneider. (laughs) Another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 25-year-old man reading Harry Potter for the first time. I'm very excited for this very special guest that we have today, Mike Berbiglia. How's it going? No, don't do this to me. <laughs> Not like this. Okay, fine. Hello, you're this is of, Eric.
1: You're one of the multiple people in my life that it will always go like, you sound just like Mike Berbiglia." You do.
0: Sorry. Okay. In, in actuality, I'm talking with someone cooler than Mike Berbiglia. It is Eric Schneider, the editor and producer of the Spirits podcast and my longtime YouTube friend Eric, how's it going?
1: It's going very, very well. Spirits is literally like an hour away from hitting a million downloads, and we're uh, very. Excited. I'm so excited! And I'm, and I'm so happy. I complete for you the guys. trilogy on Potterless of all yeah. three of the Spirits team.
0: It was written. It was destiny that this was meant to happen. the The, the heavens have opened and allowed for this amazing uh, combination of events to happen, and I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, and not only are we celebrating that, but we are celebrating the kicking off of a new book, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix.
1: Yes. Crazy. Was one of my favorite books. I really like this one. I remember liking it a lot. I haven't read them in, in like six or seven years, but I remember sure. enjoying this one a lot.
0: You are one of the few because I feel like aside from you and Julia uh, and my friend Alex, everyone else is like, "Oh yeah, fifth is awful. I hated it." Like everyone basically says it's bad until the very end. So I'm just holding on to hope, but we'll see how it goes. There's a point where I got so mad with angsty Harry in these beginning chapters, I wanted to put the book down, but I was like,
1: I can't. I have Potter he list to record. Is, <laughs> is angsty in these early early bits once again?
0: Yeah, it's it's a whole new level. Like I thought, chap. I thought book four had some angsty Harry. Oh no, this is it's like a whole nother Pokemon evolution of angst. It's absurd. <laughs> but let's get right to it. Chapter one, Dudley demented. Immediately, I'm very upset that another book is starting with Harry the Dursleys. This is five in a row, which is five too many. I'm. So- I was really I looking made, I, made like, to- I
1: made a specific note that right off the bat on page one, it just goes directly into a dis- very. Detailed description of what Harry looks like, which Mm -hmm. by this point I feel like you might just need to mention the scar. I feel like you don't need the whole shebang on what Harry Potter looks like if you've made (laughs) it. He's got bushy hair.
0: He wears glasses. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things that could have been removed. I can get picking up three and four for the first time. I don't think anyone's picking up Order of the Phoenix without having read anything else.
1: Yeah. The the momentum is is going at this point. People know if they're going to be <laughs> into Harry Potter or not.
0: Yeah. Thankfully, this book didn't like recap all the previous books like 1 through 4 did in the first chapter, so that's fine. But yeah. we are stuck with another Dursley chapter. So basically, yes, after this description of what Harry Potter looks like and who he is, uh you learn that it's a very hot summer. There's a big drought going on, apparently. And they describe Harry as basically looking like a hobo. Yeah, kind of. Isn't doing his hair. He's got holes in all his clothes. He's in bushes. Hanging out in bushes, looking scruffy. It's a rough situation for Harry Potter. A big reason why he looks so rough is that he's, like, spying on the Dursleys to try to hear the news. So that if anything about Voldemort is said in the headlines, he'll know what's up. So he's been like getting daily profits and only looking at the front cover. He's been trying to like poke his ear around to wherever the jerseys are listening to the news to see if they say anything, stuff like that.
1: Some real sleuthing. You oh, see,
0: yeah, it's some real Sherlock shit by Harry up in here. The Dursleys think that Dudley is out eating dinner at a friend's house every single night, but Harry reveals that he's actually out vandalizing the park, smoking, and throwing rocks at cars every night, which is, like, a big turn from, like, I'm a school bully to I'm destroying public property. It,
1: it <laughs> is very significant. I do like that it also is, like, because the books take place in, like, what, the early 90s, technically? Is that Yeah, late right? 80s, early 90s. It feels like a very early 90s thing for, like, some like youth (laughs) hooligan like that's all they're doing it's like eh, they're throwing rocks at cars it's like eh, that's eh, that's that's par for the course at this point (laughs) (laughs)
0: so it's another night of harry trying to listen to the news he's hiding in the bushes into a window in which the jerseys are listening to the news and jk rowling goes out of her way to note that petunia's hands are bony and again describes her as horse-faced which makes five books in a row of calling Petunia horse-faced, which I just think is a great trend that we got to keep going. I don't I don't know if this is like the same description as Harry Potter, but I think it's been well-established that Petunia looks like a horse. I know the jerseys are like roughly based on people she didn't like from earlier in her life. She must have really fucking hated these people.
1: Apparently... <laughs> they they're, they don't come off well at all. <laughs>
0: no, not at all. While Harry's through the window, he hears like a loud crack and he doesn't know what it is. He pulls out his wand to try to defend himself and Vernon then notices Harry, yells at him to put it away, thinks that this is Harry making the disruption of, of whatever is going on. After all this hubbub, Vernon's like, what are you doing in the window anyway? And he says that he's listening to the news and Vernon's like, again? Why would you want to learn about the news? Like, Dudley doesn't want to do this? And Harry's like, well, Dunley's an idiot.
1: Um, This is my favorite quote I think in the entire series. Is that he says he's listening to the news again because it changes every day. (laughs) He
0: does, yeah. Which
1: I think is the, the it's hands down the best thing Harry Potter says at any point during any of the seven books.
0: It was a really good line. So yeah, the exact quote is, he goes, again, and Harry goes, well, you see, it changes every day. To which I wrote all caps, ooh, baby, get some (laughs) aloe for that burn. Uh, that is the only good thing about sassy or angsty Harry is that there are some really good comebacks he and he has another good one pretty soon because uh, Vernon then replies with we know you're up to something we're not stupid and Harry goes well that's news to me which (laughs) is like oh and not only does he say this but he says this and then immediately turns around and walks into the street so he drops the mic after just destroying Vernon it's fantastic Harry is convinced that the cracking noise that he heard was someone either apparating or disapparating. He immediately wants to blame Dobby for it because that's the same noise that Dobby made when he did it in book two. But then Harry's like, wait a second, maybe it wasn't a magical person. Maybe I just think it is because I'm yearning for magical world because I miss Hogwarts so much. And then gets into this like long, drawn out, sappy thing about how he misses being a wizard and stuff. Like he does every summer when he's at the Dursley's house. Like this is not new territory. And like what's
1: what's crazy about that at this point is I think he's only been away for like a month. Is One that right? Month. So it's not even like it's the end <laughs> of summer. He's like, no, gotta get back to that, that wizard stuff. I get it. If I was in a magical place and then not and in this terrible place, I would yearn for it immediately. But it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, why not just put it more towards the end of summer? Why not?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's gotten through four of these same summers before. I guess the fifth time is just the last straw on the camel's back. He just can't do, he can't deal. So the only contact he has with the wizarding world so far is getting the daily profit and then just basically reading the headline and nothing else because he's figures that if it's going to be about Voldemort, it's gonna mention him in the headline.
1: Are there comics in the Daily Prophet? There should be. Do we know anything about like what's actually in the the later pages of the Daily Prophet? The
0: only thing we ever learn is that apparently in the later pages they use Harry as an insult. Yeah. But they don't ever explain what else is in there. Because
1: there's got to be like a funny strip in there somewhere.
0: Like a crossword puzzle, some yeah. ca- some cartoons, maybe a coupon. I mean, section. think about
1: how much cooler a magical crossword would be. You could do all kinds oh, of crazy, like. The, the whatever the word spell it could come to life right in front oh,
0: of you. That'd be super fun. Maybe I'd actually do a crossword. <laughs> so his only contact is, is reading those daily prophets and then getting letters from Ron and Hermione. But every single letter that he gets from Ron and Hermione is like, oh, we can't tell you what's happening. Dumbledore's not letting us tell you what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So Harry is very upset about that, as he always is every summer when he doesn't get the letters that he wants. Then we get into our first stint of super angsty Harry, which is Harry being convinced that they're hanging out at Ron's, having fun without him, and keeping busy, and that they're just like lying to him, that they don't want to spend time with him, and they're just having all this fun without them. And then he gets into this awful thing where he's like, he's like, did they forget who I am? Like, I'm Harry freaking Potter. I save (laughs) them all the time. Like, I've done all this cool stuff. And it's like, dude, you would've got killed like seven times if it wasn't for Hermione, be grateful. It's the truth. Like he really needs to be more humble about this situation. Sirius also writes letters to Harry, but at the very least, he starts all of them with, I know this is frustrating and don't be rash, but Harry finds a way to get mad at this too, because, for the letter that starts with don't be rash, he's like, who are you to tell me not to be rash? You got convicted for murder and all this other stuff. And then he's he specifically cites the things that Harry facilitated. He's like, I'm not the one that fled Hogwarts on a magical creature that was condemned for death that we stole from people. It's like, Harry, you stole Buckbeak and then gave it to him and then made him fly away with it.
1: Like, you're not allowed to be mad at the shit that you did. Also, Ugh. like, Sirius Black spent years in azkaban yes so like a thing he didn't do (laughs) if a dude that spent years in azkaban a lot of that time in his animal form right so the mentors didn't Mm -hmm. drive him his him mad Mm -hmm. that's like the dude that definitely gets to tell you hey i know i know it's tough sure but you'll be fine
0: yeah harry has to put up with one month at a house whereas sirius had put up with 13 years of trying to have every happy memory of his life deleted from his brain feel like there's a bit of a difference here.
1: Yeah, I feel like you you have to respect that dude's opinion on what sucks. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so Harry goes to a park to go on the swings and it literally says, quote, he moodily stared at the ground. <laughs> which I think is just a great image of Harry just camping out on the swings, staring at the ground, depressed. He has loads of angsty thoughts just of about every single thing, every single person, all this other stuff. And then he sees Dudley and the crew. He's kind of in a weird way, hoping that they try to pick a fight with him so that he can, you know, either use magic on them or threaten it on them or or something to that effect. But they don't end up coming his way. Harry then remembers that he needs to get back to the Dursley's house. Like, he has to be home before Dudley comes home. Otherwise, that's breaking curfew. His curfew is literally just, if Dudley is home, you better be home too. So he starts to go home. While he does that, when Dudley's little crew breaks apart, they call him Big
1: D, which is a terrible nickname. It's a very bad nickname. It's, 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 <laughs> it's really bad. have been a better nickname then. It's a very bad nickname now.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's super bad because it's got... Some weird undertones like they're calling him big dick, which is just it's yeah. not good. It's we not good we also learn at all. this
1: point that Dudley has been boxing.
0: Yes. This and is he's exactly like when we
1: like that. the like s- like school boxing champ, which is not a th- not a thing. Like no, school- not at all. Schools don't schools don't have boxing champs. That's Especially crazy. not
0: middle schools, because they're what, 14 now?
1: And then I think we also learn that the Dursleys have been lying. About I don't remember how we learned this, but I did write down the name of the school that they've been lying that Harry goes to. Oh, which, they've said that
0: since they've said that since book one.
1: Have they? The name of the school because it yeah. is Saint <laughs> Brutus's Secure Center for Incurably Criminal Boys, and I just yes. think that's the craziest <laughs> name for. Oh, it's a absurd. school. It's, it's
0: literally a prison.
1: <laughs> like it just sounds like a prison. It's insane. It's truly insane.
0: So, so yeah, you learn that Dudley's apparently lost a bunch of weight due to a mix of diet and getting really into boxing. So he's still big, but he's a little bit thinner, and now he's even stronger than he was. So he's become just a monster of a human. Harry then goes up to Dudley, and he basically hits him with like a cool, he calls, he's like, hey, what's up, Big D? Which is just great. I love that Harry is doing this. But then, he takes it a little too far. He cites all the pet names that Petuni gives him. He's like, oh, why don't your friends call you Icky Diddykins or Dinky Diddy dums, which are terrible nicknames. And Harry has every right to make fun of them, but not unprovoked. Like Harry's being a bit of a dick here. Yeah. And then Harry takes this bullying, pestering a little bit, Farther, And I start honestly to take Dudley's side, which is a weird feeling after being told for four books that he's just like the worst person. I start to feel bad for Dudley. And while I was reading this, I was like internally conflicted just thinking, oh, I feel bad for this kid who's supposed to be awful because Harry is just being super mean and all this other stuff, and Dudley can't do anything because Harry has a wand in his pocket, which is basically a gun. Yeah, pretty much. And Dudley references this. He basically says, you think you're all tough with that wand? And I agree with that, which... Makes me even more concerned. They're in a dark alley. They kind of get into like a tuffle where they like slam each other up against the wall. But then Dudley starts fighting back. He's saying, oh, you're not so brave at night. He pokes fun at Harry for crying in his sleep. And that's when you learn that Harry apparently has nightmares every single night about Cedric dying. And he cries for Cedric in his sleep.
1: Yeah, I was definitely with you with like slowly getting on Dudley's side during this argument. And then like that happens. And then you're like, all right, like Harry's going through some pretty dark, dark stuff right now. So I'm not yeah. on Harry's <laughs> side almost immediately. Yeah,
0: exactly the same for me. I was like, oh, man, I feel really bad. And then they're kind of like, yeah, he's basically having nom flashbacks every single night. about, yeah. And he's 14. It's like, OK, never mind. I, I, I can understand Harry being like, a like, little mean. Like,
1: <laughs> excellent writing because it makes us kind of feel like not on Harry's side. And I was like, oh, no, never mind. you were yeah. wrong Do not be on Harry's <laughs> side.
0: Yeah, touche JK Rowling, had me going. So the nightmares have been happening, but Harry didn't know that he was sleep talking. So when Dudley brings this up, Harry can't hide it and then <clears throat> and then Dudley knows that he's got him. So Harry pulls out the wand, puts him at one point, and Dudley's like, Don't do this, you know, blah blah blah. Come on, don't do this. But then the world starts getting dark and everything starts getting cold, which means Dementors. So Harry finally realizes what's going on, but it's too late because Dudley had been telling him, like, don't make me hit you. Don't make me hit you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And finally he's had enough. Punches Harry in the face, sends him off of his feet with an uppercut, which is pretty dope. And his wand goes flying, but then Dementors starts roughing up Dudley and, you know. All all the stuff that comes along with it, and they're about to do the kiss to him. Harry hits it with the Specto Patronum. It fails two times, like it always does, and then finally, the third time's the charm, and the stag comes away and like knocks it out.
1: It's like it gets real intense during that whole thing because because Dudley doesn't know what's happening because he can't yes. see Dementors.
0: Oh right, I didn't even realize that because he can't see and it. And
1: Harry is the one that's like has to like tell us kind of what's happening and also be like. I got to take care of this, and I'll, I don't know how I hope I could like save this kid that I hate. It gets, mm-hmm. it gets rough.
0: It also gets intense for Harry because rather than hearing the cries of his parents as the, the scary thing that you hear when the Dementors come, he starts hearing Voldemort talking to him. So his fear right. yes. has switched to Voldemort killing him as opposed to being afraid of... What happened to his parents? And Voldemort says, "Quote: Just die, just die. It's easier. I think, though, I wouldn't know because I've never died before." So he hears that in his head while he's trying to fight off the Dementors and hit Expecto Patronum. Now, is so, that
1: what Voldemort says at the end of Book Four, or is that, ju- or is this actually Voldemort directly no, talking to th-
0: Harry? This is a new quote. This isn't okay. a quote that was said before. So it it must be Voldemort talking to Harry
1: that's that's no good which
0: makes sense based on it would make sense based on when you get to the trial all the way in chapter eight where Dumbledore basically says hey these are dementors that Voldemort must have sent yeah and so then it would make sense if Voldemort was ready for this attack to happen
1: that's true and
0: the other thing that's different is the happy thought that he uses that finally gets the Patronus to work is him hanging out with Ron and Hermione which wasn't what it was before so Harry's a changing boy so Harry runs over saves him. And his neighbor runs out, Mrs. Fig, who was mentioned before that Harry's been spending, you know, some time over at Mrs. Fig's house during the summer. He tries to, like, hide his wand and stuff. And she's like, no, 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 keep it out. Like, you don't know if they're going to come back. And Harry's confused, thinking, wait, hold on. She's a witch? And then she says, oh, I'm going to kill Mundungus Fledger. Which, first off, raises two questions. One, who the hell is that? Two, that's a dope-ass name.
1: It's a very good
0: name. (laughs) And then then that's the end of chapter one. There was a weird thing that was happening in this chapter a lot. J.K. Rowling was very specific about the layout of the streets in the neighborhood, and I just didn't care. Like, do we care about all the roads? Because she was very specific about all of the cross streets, and I don't think it matters. It
1: felt a lot like the the last Hunger Games book in which they get to the capitol and are like describing moving through the city. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening at all. And much like this, I was just like, I mean, they're cross streets and some are parallel to each other. Like I, I have, I know <laughs> how streets work generally. I don't need to like draw a map while reading this book.
0: <laughs> yeah. It seemed like she had a Google map in front of her and she's like, everyone will understand this. Yeah, it's exactly. like, even if we did, we don't care. There's a bunch of stuff that happened here. And, and while I'm reading this for the podcast, like I take notes and there was a bunch of times where I would either read four or five pages or listen to four or five minutes of the audiobook consistently and not write anything down, especially when they get to the House of the Order of the Phoenix. There's a bunch of stuff where they're describing all the things they're cleaning for a bunch of pages.
1: Yeah, I, I read that last night and I was just like, <laughs> I feel bad because I should be taking notes, but there's like... It's There's just nothing a happening. giant exposition dump. Get ready for that in either later this episode or next episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where me and Mike discuss an exposition dump.
0: <laughs> well, it would just be like, I would write the bullet point. I'd be like, they're cleaning the house. And then four pages later, it's like, they're still, still cleaning, cleaning the house. <laughs> like, uh, then we get to chapter two, a pack of owls. Mrs. Fig mentions that... Fletcher,
1: Mundungus Fletcher, left to see someone about cauldrons that fell off a broom. I love this. I love this part of Harry (laughs) Potter that we never get to learn anything more about, about like the idea of like stereos falling off a truck but cauldrons falling off a broom. Mm -hmm. Everything about this image amazes me and I want to know more (laughs) about like the like crappy dudes that are like selling cauldrons on like the side of the road by Diagon Alley and just like moving like oh yeah yeah i got this i got this cauldron and i'll give you 50 percent off <laughs> lame
0: like, crime of of the wizarding like, world it's ju-
1: because up until this point so much of the harry potter universe has been like so clean yeah you go to the wand shop and get your wand you go to the robe shop and get your robe you go to the mm-hmm. like nothing has been like obviously there's very dark magics in this world but we haven't learned anything about like how you get, like, secret supplies and everything. And we never really Uh get any of that. But we do learn about, like, back alley cauldrons, which is amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, the only evil that you learn about, like, the only bad thing is people murdering people and trying to possess humans and all this other stuff. There's no meddling crimes or, (laughs) like, middle ground bad deviousness. It's just you're either Satan or you go to Hogwarts. And
1: then we do (laughs) learn in the next... When they go to the, the ministry later in later chapters that there is just a non or like wizard police force which i yep. don't remember existing at all like, i nope. think it's the only time they're mentioned in the entire series they're like oh no like regular wizard cops take care of those yep. things i was like <laughs> <Yeah>. oh so <laughs> oh. they must be looking for this guy with his cauldrons i
0: would love a comedy spinoff that follows someone either like a boring ish job in the wizarding world or a boring ish criminal these guys selling back alley cauldrons or regular cop at hogwarts or at uh, the ministry of magic
1: <laughs> i would be really down for like just brooklyn 99, but in with like, lizards in, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yes oh, be so good. give me that show next year please yes
0: so mrs fig mentions she is very thankful that she put mr tibbles on the case of the dementors i'm assuming this is some sort of pet Harry asks if she's a witch. She corrects him, saying that she's a squib. And Fletcher knew that, so it was very foolish of Fletcher to leave her alone. Because, you know, if this happened, she wouldn't be able to do anything. Fletcher had been following and protecting Harry. So you learn that the disapparating noise he heard was him. And then Dudley is just struggling. He's so shook from the whole Dementor thing. Harry has to basically pick him up throw him over her shoulder, and walk him home. Fig reveals that Dumbledore tasked her and Mundungus to watch over Harry, but to not tell anyone, not even Harry. And at this point, Mundungus re and Mrs. Fig just goes ape shit on him, which yeah. is, you know, un- understandable. So he's described as being really straggly looking. He has an invisibility cloak, which is pretty sweet. And she basically keeps like hitting him over the head with a bag of cat food. And she repeatedly either says the phrase, I'm going to kill Mundugas Fletcher or I hope Dumbledore murders you. Like the first two times, I get it. But when she says it the fifth time, I'm like, all right, Mrs. Fig, like let's tone it down a couple notches. It's,
1: intense. <laughs> like, it's real intense on this street.
0: She explains that people following and keeping Harry safe was only put into effect after the school year pretty much after voldemort comes back to being his true form so dumbledore tasks some people to watch over him to keep him safe harry lugs dudley all the way home and petunia is freaking the fuck out she wants to know what the hell is going on dudley then vomits which makes her freak out even more and dudley since as you mentioned before since he can't see the dementors thinks that harry did all of this so he tries to put all the blame
1: on him. Which, I mean, you can't argue with. You can't really, like, blame for sure. Dudley for this one. Like,
0: Yeah, how is he gonna know? So an owl comes through, basically with a nasty gram saying that, you know, you used magic. Same kind of thing when Dobby dropped the pudding on the ground. But this one's way more intense because it says Harry's expelled from Hogwarts and that they're going to break his wand in half and confiscate. Like they're going to confiscate his wand, break it in half and game over. You're not a wizard anymore. Thanks for playing our game. We're the ministry of magic.
1: A bit much, a bit much in my opinion. Uh, yeah, way too much. So my first
0: thought is like, yeah, right. This is not going to happen. And when Harry reads, the letter. He's like, oh fuck this. I'm just going to run away and he's about to leave. But another owl comes and it's from Arthur Weasley that basically starts with like, don't run away. Harry <laughs> Dumbledore is going to help figure this shit out. Just stay put. We're on it. (laughs) And then he gets another letter from Sirius that basically says the exact same thing. Vernon is freaking out now because three owls have entered his house. And as we've learned from previous books, the only thing that Vernon hates more than Harry is owls bringing stuff to Harry. I
1: mean, I wouldn't want three owls in my house, to be be fair. They do leave really quickly, though. I don't want to, like, suddenly start, like, defending all of the Dursleys because they're garbage. But, like... If three owls were in my house, regardless of whether or not my nephew is a wizard, that's too many owls.
0: (laughs) So Vernon then asks Harry, what the hell happened? What is going on? And Harry says it was Dementors. And Vernon's like, what's that? And then Petunia describes what a Dementor is. And then right after, kind of like gasps and does a, you know, it's almost like one of those out of body, like wasn't thinking about it. And she's embarrassed that she knows what a Dementor is and started to describe it. And it kind of rubs Vernon the wrong way, too. And then he's like, oh, well, you know, I only knew this because of my sister and and James when they, you know, would talk about this or whatever.
1: See, there's a very interesting detail that's a spoiler that I won't give you right there. Okay, okay good. That is very fascinating that people who have read the book will notice the thing that, that Mike just got wrong. Oh, no. Which is fascinating because I actually have it in my notes to mention it. But not spoil it. And you mentioned it in a way that made it much easier for me to bring up with definitely not causing you any spoilers. So that's very exciting. The
0: only thing I will say of note is that she goes out of her way to not call James, James. She says like that wizard, some sort of phrase that like won't call him by name. So right, the only yeah. thing I can think is that there was some bad falling out between Petunia and James. Yes. But I'm not exactly that sure that could what it be, be it. Ooh. Oh man, how how fucked up would it be if James had a thing with Petunia and then left her for uh, what Lily? That would yes. be so shitty. Th- that,
1: that I hope would that's, would that's be, not it. I hope that's it not it. Would it, it, Mike uh, and listeners? I
0: hope it. Uh, I really hope that's not it. And if it is it, I hope the reason that he, uh, uh, I don't, uh, the worst would be <laughs> is if they're dating and then he like finds out, oh no, the worst would be, here's the worst thing.
1: Okay. Tell me what the worst thing would be.
0: The absolute worst. She starts as a wizard, becomes a squib, and then he's like, fuck that shit. I'm going to date your sister. That, <laughs> that would be, that would be, that would be the worst thing ever. <laughs> I really hope that isn't it. Please don't be it. I know James Potter started as Jesus and like we slowly learn he's like kind of a piece of shit, but I don't want him to be that much of a piece of shit. We will. You'll find out. (laughs) Uh, It's okay. I'm really bad at predicting stuff, so I'm probably wrong. Another owl comes in. It's the Ministry of Magic saying that they will have a hearing instead to determine whether or not his wand should be destroyed and whether or not he should be expelled. Basically, they're like, Dumbledore, talk to us. We're going to have a hearing. Vernon Asks, oh, if you're found guilty, what's going to happen? Quote, are they going to give you the death penalty? He said with a hopeful afterthought. Uh, too much. Uh, I'm sorry. I get that you think your nephew is a little annoying, but you're hopeful that this
1: 15-year-old child gets fucking murdered. That's it's it's a bit much. Yeah, see, this is back when I turned back to Harry's. High yeah, again. it's and I don't I like, like no, this going too, back and too, forth. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's like just when you have us, just when you bring us in, you
1: start to you start to feel human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely terrible.
1: Vernon demands
0: that Harry tells him what happened, so he does. And this is when the fourth owl comes in and this is a letter from Sirius saying the same thing as Arthur as Arthur said basically, don't leave. It's going to be fine. Just stay in the house. You'll be safe. <laughs> and then but when Harry receives this letter, he gets mad that no one's congratulated him yet for beating the Dementors. His first thought is like, uh, no one said good job. He, <laughs> he's he such a diva. I can't, uh, I can't deal with it. He's too, he's too much. Uh, there is a funny thing. Vernon keeps calling the Dementors the wrong name. Like he calls them like yeah. Dementoids and Demembers and Dismembers. And I I laughed every single time. They were pretty I, good. I, they're all pretty it was good. Pretty good. <laughs> So Harry's then trying to figure out why would they, why would they come? And the only thing he can think of is like, it's gotta be Voldemort, which is true. And this is also my thought process. Anytime anything bad happens, it's like, oh, this mean, scary thing happened. And I'm sitting there reading the book. I'm like, well, it's gotta be Voldemort, which which is like, you're never wrong. Like you can't ever be wrong if the guess is like, oh, bad shit went down. Probably Voldemort.
1: Probably Voldemort. Although, I mean, (laughs) later on in this book, I guess, I mean, it's the same kind of badge that isn't Voldemort. That's always not Voldemort in the book. It's it's a defense against the art, dark arts teacher, <laughs> which is the other person that does. Bad shit the other, in the yeah.
0: Books. And sometimes it is Voldemort just hanging out in their turban. That's you know?
1: true. Sometimes it, it's <laughs> both. <laughs>
0: Petunia begins to kind of feel bad and scared for Harry when he mentions that Voldemort is back because at one point Harry's like, Voldemort sent them and Vernon's like, he's not here anymore. And then Harry says, "Uh, he's back. And Petunia kind of is like, ah, that sucks. So we're learning more and more that Petunia is more familiar with the wizarding world, which makes me think she was like somewhat more involved than just, I found out my sister was a wizard and then I immediately disowned her. So there's something more there. Vernon tries to kick Harry out. He's like, I've had enough. You're getting out of here. And Harry can't leave because a million people told him to stay. A fifth owl then comes in and it's addressed to Petunia. And it's not just a letter. It's a growler. And when she opens it, it just says, remember my last Petunia and then disappears. And it's ominous and terrifying and probably from Dumbledore. But who I knows? honestly don't oh. remember. Like, oh, okay. I really
1: don't. So I'm like, remember my last like Mm -hmm. and harry tries to figure out what it is it's very similar to to a note in deathly hollows but i don't think they're related in any way okay the the
0: only thing i can think is that remember my last might be the last time he sent a howler to her and it could have just berated her because maybe she did something that got lily in trouble or got lily exposed or or whatever but my all all the only thing i'm confident guessing here is that it's from dumbledore i have no idea what the context is or anything like that and that's the end of the chapter because they send harry to bed and that's it hey let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors who make this show possible this episode of pottery list is brought to you by arena club now if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using arena club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclubcom club.com slash Potterless. Wow. That is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com. Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So, if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the Truth Never Gets Old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring 20s. So chapter three, the advance guard. So Harry writes a sassy letter, to, I love this letter. Sir, to, to Sirius, Ron, and Hermione. All three of them, same letter. Basically, he's like, what the hell is going on? Tell me what's happening. <laughs> I need to know. I'm Harry Potter. He, and <laughs> he, he writes it. And while he's in the house, every time he passes a window... He gets mad because it reminds him of what happened. So he literally talks about like getting upset every time he sees a window. Just like, oh my God, Harry, get over.
1: Which it. I mean is probably pretty often since like he's in one bedroom with a window. So <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's pretty much constant. Every time he opens his eyes, he's like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I do love that when he sends the letters, he tells oh, yeah. Hedwig, yep. <laughs> don't come back without a response and peck at them until they give you one.
0: Yes. Well, it's not only is it peck them until they give you one, but it's Peck at them until what they've is written is enough long response, enough. Yeah. Like if it's not long enough, you keep pecking them until they write Which enough. I think
1: is a really good service that like somehow Google can like algorithmically like solve in Gmail. Where it's like not only do I demand a response from you, but Google will like read this email and make sure that it is a good enough email. Like that this response yeah. to every point that I sent you I want a good ass response and I will accept nothing less.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing with text messages. It's like, this is a text message you can't reply K to. That is not acceptable or not like thumbs up emoji. Like we're going to need some words, potentially some commas and periods. We need some substance to this response.
1: She also describes Harry at this point as in one of his apathetic phases. Okay. Which I feel like, one of his apathetic phases is like most of the time. <laughs> I feel like most Which of the time him. Harry is yeah. far too chill for the events going on around him until like shit really hits the fan. And then he's like, "Yes, oh, oh, I got to like, I got to wake up and start doing mm-hmm. something.
0: Yeah. It, like there's so many examples of it. But even even like the mermaid task from the last book, he just like keeps procrastinating. Like, ah, I'll figure out the egg clue later. It's like, no, dude, you could die if you don't figure out what's going on. <laughs> So he's very, he's very chill. Harry also like treats Hedwig poorly here, which makes me take the side of Hedwig. And I've been staunchly on not team Hedwig, Hedwig, cause I think she's just over the top sassy, but I start to feel bad even for her. Cause when she flies in finally, after like getting food outside, like she's eating a frog. Harry's like, oh, about time. And then when he writes the letter, he's like, that'll do go. Like uh, he's being super mean to Hedwig too. Harry's just being a piece of shit. He needs, uh, he needs to take a chill pill and like count to 10. And realize everything's going to be okay. And just tough it up. Harry, after he sends up the letters, the only thing that can make him happy enough to go to bed, he's like, well, I'll have three letters, three lengthy letters to wake up to tomorrow. And then he goes to bed. He wakes up the next day, and doesn't have any letters. And he's like, what the fuck? And decides that he's not going to leave his room for four days straight because he doesn't receive
1: letters back. I like the idea, based on, like, your, your interpretation of this scene. I like, like, I've always wanted, like, the Harry Potter series to have a bit more, like, teen comedy movie feel to them. <laughs> and I just imagine, like, Harry, like, w- sitting up, not getting the letters, saying what the fuck, just like you did. And then, like, do 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 do-do-do-do, just starts playing. <laughs> and it's just one of those songs that was, like, always in, like, those mid-2000s, like, uh, teen comedies. Yes. And that's, like, the Harry Potter I really want made. Like, when they remake it, I want it not mm-hmm. to be, like, a more serious, more dark Harry Potter. I want it to be like a way lighter teen comedy a la like Euro trip American pie. Oh. Give me that oh, like seven movie series <laughs> where it's just super hilarious.
0: Oh my goodness. There's so many turns that you can do Harry Potter. It would be great. So on the fourth day, Vernon announces to Harry that him, Petunia and Dudley are going out. He's like, we're going to leave. Don't touch anything, etc." and Harry just keeps replying, fine, okay, yeah. Vernon's like, don't touch the TV, okay, don't eat any food, okay, don't leave your room, okay. (laughs) Harry's just so fed up, doesn't want to deal with anything. Harry then hears a crack in the living room, and some voices, and at first, Harry thinks, oh, burglars, like he didn't hear the same noise when it was apparating two chapters ago, but then he realizes oh wait no it's probably wizards cuz they're talking a bunch burglars would be quiet so he goes downstairs and there's a bunch of wizards and there's a bunch he doesn't recognize and the first one that's described so you see Lupin is there the best you see that the real Moody is there which is exciting and then you get introduced to Tonks which is everyone apparently's favorite character everyone's like oh you're going pretty great
1: she's pretty great
0: i'm excited Tonks seems fantastic. Everyone on Twitter, when I said I was reading book five, everyone's like, oh my God, you're gonna meet my favorite character. And uh, it's Tonks. So Tonks is described as having violently purple hair, which is the second time in this book series that the color purple has been described as violent. And I love it. This is the second time the phrase violently purple has been up there and I'm a fan. So there's a bunch of other wizards that they describe. And then later on, you'll learn their names. Lupin asks what Harry's Patronus is because they have to make sure that it's Harry and not someone pretending to be Harry. So he describes that it's a stag and then Lupin's like, good enough for me, which I feel like if someone was pretending to be Harry, they would know that, right? I feel like they picked a bad question.
1: Well, where where has he used the stag? He's used it at the pond. Uh Uh-huh. I don't remember where, in bo- does he use it at all in book four?
0: He uses it in the classroom, and then, but only Lupin is there. And then yeah, at the Quidditch match, it doesn't actually take the form when it was Crab Goyle right. and Malfoy. It wasn't actually full stag. So I guess you're right, the only time, the only people who have seen it in full stag mode are the Squad right. and Lupin. Yeah. So okay, I guess it is a valid question to ask. So real Moody, you learn, is very paranoid. Harry puts his wand in his back pocket and Moody's like, don't do that. You can't put it there. A it could go off in your pocket or B it could get stolen. And a couple of the other wizards respond. Oh, you know, don't be, don't be so difficult. Moody. Don't be such a worry wart. It's like, yo, didn't you guys read book four when his wand got stolen out of his back pocket? And then the whole book happened. I I, I, like putting things in your back pocket is a terrible idea. Note to everyone. Never put your wallet in your back pocket. That's horrible. Never, ever, ever. So, moody telling him like hey put your wand in your front pocket or not back there and everyone being like oh don't be such a buzzkill it's like dude the whole fourth book was because harry put his wand in his
1: back pocket. i do like that like uh. the, the real moody is just like if you like swap like book four's moody like imposter like his like weird quirkiness and just like switch that for like the same amount of just paranoia and you essentially, because no other character traits really seem to change. Like he's just as paranoid yeah. as the like fake Moody is like a quirky weirdo. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I do like real Moody better. As as oh, yeah. you learn he's, more he's about great. Moody, he's way better. And I liked fake Moody in book four. I'm quoted as saying in episodes of this podcast, like, oh man, I really like Moody. It's a shame he's going to go away at the end of this episode or at the end of this book. And then I learned later that he's Barty Crouch Jr. and not Ludo Bagman. I was so convinced, I was so convinced. I think
1: at at the time we're recording this, I think that's the last episode that has come out. And I was just like, not not even close, (laughs) not even. And you are so sure of it. At the
0: the time of recording this, the last episode to go out is the second with Rosianna, where I said, I don't know who it is, but it's either Bagman or Crouch and it's can't be anybody else. (laughs) not a chance. (laughs) And then like the next episodes, I'm like, it's gotta be Bagman (laughs) and no one else. And then finally the episodes of Sydney, I'm like, oh God, (laughs) I've made a huge mistake. Uh i love when i'm wrong at predicting
1: shit it's my favorite <laughs> it's so good and it's so easy because there's uh, so much stuff to predict in these books
0: yeah there, and i think i'm so smart where i'm like oh i'm totally gonna get it because i was right for the first two books I, yeah
1: i haven't reread like book one so i don't know how obvious it is quarrel
0: it's just uh, it's just a long episode of scooby-doo <laughs> like, it's got the classic he's the first person you meet he acts sketchy the whole time like uh there's a red herring which is snape it's it falls formulaically perfect. Tonks reveals that the lie that they used to get the Dursleys out of the house was oh, a so fake good. invitation to, to quote the all England best kept lawn competition. <laughs> <laughs> which I love just the phrase of All England Best Kept Lawn because I'm a huge basketball fan and one of the highest honors is to be named on an All-NBA team. So either like first team All-NBA, first team All-Defense. So when it's like first team All-Best Lawn, I think it's just so good. So you learn that Tonks not only has dope ass hair, but she can change it at any time she wants because she's a, a metamorph magus and she can just change her appearance however she wants willy nilly. And then after learning this, you meet some of the other crew. So there's Kingsley Shacklebolt, which is an amazing name. One of my
1: favorite names. I
0: think the best name. I can't think of a better one. I think I think time. it
1: is. Like every time I say, I go, that's a good one. That's mm-hmm. a really good name. Sirius Black
0: is good. Remus Lupin is good because of what it means. Cause Lupin yeah. is Latin for wolf and Remus, I forget what Remus is for. Kingsley Shacklebolt just sounds dope. Like, that is a and powerful he's an aura too. So he, like, is mm-hmm. dope on top yeah. of it. And then you later learn of, of, that his job in the ministry is also hilarious. Yes. So in addition, you've got uh, Dolge, Diggle, Vance, Podmore, and Jones. I don't know if these people become important, but they were all volunteers to go save Harry. They are known as his guard. Then they decide that they're going to leave. Tonks uses a bunch of spells to, to, like, clean the room that Harry had and pack up his stuff, all those other things. They're using a lot of spells that haven't been discussed they're nothing profound such as the the packing spell or the clean room spell or anything like that but it is kind of cool to see these very advanced wizards because these are full not only are they full adult wizards that should know every spell but also there's a mix of auras and high profile wizards and it's it's kind of to the point where a lot of these things are just secondhand magic to them and it was kind of cool to see for me a full wizard just kind of go to town, whereas yeah. Harry has to specifically like read books to know how to do hexes and other things such as that.
1: And then on the other hand, you have Arthur Weasley, who I took note to uh, spend some time laughing at a potato peeler, <laughs> which I, I I think when I wrote down, I imagine like one that you just hold in one hand and hold the potato. Yes. But are there like potato peelers that you can like put? Like an apple peeler would've like twist around the potato. Cause that's I've bit, never seen that. Cause that would be a bit sillier. But if it's just sure. a regular potato peeler, that's not a funny object. No, it's just like a funny sense. shaped knife like, with plastic Arthur, covering. You, you gotta get your shit together. <laughs> Cause it's not Weasley's, that funny. <laughs>
0: his muggle thing is weird. Uh, it, he's a strange man. Before they leave, Moody, real Moody, uses a disillusionment charm on Harry to conceal him, which is basically. Kind of like an invisibility cloak, but instead of making him invisible, it just makes him a perfect chameleon. And basically the reason that they did this was because an invisibility cloak would fly off of him because the way that they're getting to headquarters is by broom. So they see the signal given at the safe house, which is red sparks followed by green sparks. That's their cue to leave. So they go. And once Harry starts flying, all of his troubles go away. He feels great. He feels the rush of being with wizards and doing magic again. So we finally get a brief stint of happy Harry. Now, to avoid Muggle seeing them, they have to fly way the fuck up into the sky. And because of that, they're flying through clouds. They're really high up. They're all freezing. Like, everyone is just freezing to death. Harry keeps mentioning that it's the worst thing he's flown in since that terrible rainy Quidditch match where the Dementors came, all kind of stuff like that.
1: I think they mention it very briefly in the book that if they go through the clouds, they get soaked. Yes. And if I remember correctly in the movie, when they go through the clouds, they actually wind up on the other side looking like they just jumped out of a pool. Oh, nice. I I could be wrong about that, but it's a really nice detail if I'm remembering it correctly. I hope
0: so. That would be a great detail. So then the best thing happens is that when they finally get to the safe house so that the muggles don't see, the put-outer makes a comeback. (laughs) They use the (laughs) put-outer and they take away all the lights from the street lamp. And I'm so excited because... In episode one of this podcast, I make fun of the put-outer for being the dumbest name of anything ever. And there's a bunch of people on Twitter that tell me, oh, it's not called the put-outer, it's the de or whatever. <laughs> Yo, this is the second time it's been called the put-outer. I don't know if book seven... JK Rowling's like, oh, right. That is a stupid name. Let me fix this. And then Roy's like, oh, by the way, Dumbledore forgot to tell everyone that it's actually called the limiter." No, this shit's called the put outer guys, <laughs> two different is. books, two different books, where it's the put outer
1: like a like decade
0: apart, four books later. It's still oh. the put outer.
1: <laughs> Also, I love that this is, like, like apparently a very magical object because, mm-hmm. like, they got loaned to them by Dumbledore. Yes. Whereas, like, I imagine, like, this being something you could just buy. <laughs> no,
0: it's very special. But apparently
1: it's so rare that only, like... Like, it seems like something if you were ever, if all of the members of the Order of the Phoenix sure. should have some put-outers. Yeah. But apparently not. Apparently, Dumbledore's got, like, the one, and you got to <laughs> borrow it from him if you need it. And why is there no spell for
0: this? They can do so many things, but they can't take away lights from a street lamp. You need this special device that only Dumbledore owns. But
1: you got to store the light somewhere. <laughs> That's what the put is good for. It uh, stores the light. It's so dumb.
0: But I'm so glad it's back. Uh, Even I mean
1: I, I I think there's a lot of crazy magical rules in Harry Potter, but none more so really than <laughs> than the put outer because that just like def- like I'm fine with magic bending the rules of physics. A- sure. Like like but like there's a point where it's like you can bend it a lot. Yeah. But like you can't just like move light around nearly <laughs> like that's just so fit like that's crazy.
0: Uh, if you guys. Like the put outer, my Instagram page is literally just based off making fun of the put outer. It's pictures of daily household objects and then lame names. So like, I have a picture of a pen, and I'm like, oh, look at this word writer, or like a calculator. I'm like, look at these like things adder. <laughs> it's things great, instagramcom slash podcast <laughs> uh, So then, Moody hands Harry a note with the address of the headquarters. And it says that it's the Order of the Phoenix, which I'm flipping out because we've learned the title of the book in chapter three, which never happens. It's always like chapter 17 when you learn what the title of the book means. So I'm freaking out at this point when I read this. And that is the end of chapter three. And it is also the end of this episode. But fear not because Eric and I will be back very soon in real time, but two weeks in podcast world time uh, (laughs) to, to discuss
1: chapters four through eight of Harry Potter.
0: But, Eric, thank you so much for joining along for this first episode of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. How do you feel?
1: I feel great. I really enjoyed it. I was glad that, like, this was the uh, opening to a book that didn't actually just like drag on forever. Like it drags yes. for a minutes, but then like it really mm-hmm. gets into some stuff.
0: Yeah, it does. It's good. Things are happening right away. So I guess, uh, is there anything you want to plug besides Spirits Podcast, which you are the
1: editor for? Spirits Podcast. Uh, you can go to, uh, you can just search Spirits on your podcasting app or spiritspodcast.com. And uh, our hosts, Julian, and Amanda, they drink spirits and they talk about myths like spirits. Ah, such, ah it's a good pun. And it's yeah, a very you can uh, follow me on pretty much anywhere at I'm Eric Schneider.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. And until thank next you. time, as they say in Hogwarts wizard on. <laughs> <laughs> Potterless was created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert as well as Andreas Oselby, Griffin Mecklenburg, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica and Calvin Bauer, Michael Vanderslice, Sadie Bear, Emily Wiffen, Chandra Cruz, Jesse Horgan, and Maggie Zobazek. Web design by Kelly Beckman. And the music is by Bettina Kampamanas. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on any of your preferred podcasting apps as well as Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter at PotterlessPod. Instagram is Podcast, And of course, everything is on our website, powderlesspodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, wizard on!